Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I am here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode that we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, or thriller genre. For today's toe tag, I'm starting an early celebration of the July 10th release of Psychotherapy, the last in my Diamond Trilogy. And we're going to do it with the first story in the trilogy, Widow's Run. Now, in full transparency, Widow's Run was the first season of Mysteries to Die For. So you can listen to the entire book on that first, uh, first season. That's the word I was looking for, first season. But fair warning, Jack and I were figuring out how to do this podcasting thing. Our mics weren't great, and, well, let's just say our skills weren't what they are now. It was the inspiration for what we've come to craft today, as well as our guinea pig. So with that, let's go into the first chapter. What a lovely corpse you have. They buried me today, and I had the balls to show up. Here I was, on a sunny day in May, shaking my head along with a hundred other people, wondering how someone so young and vibrant could, poof, be gone. I hid in plain sight, loitering on the edge of the crowd, a shit brown wig in place of my usual chemical blonde, matching contacts to camouflage my signature green eyes, and sunglasses plucked from the 70s ensured my face wouldn't catch the attention of the masses. A theater-quality padded suit added 40 pounds to my athletic frame and clothes I wouldn't be caught dead in sealed the completed illusion. The people who claimed to be closest to me would see what I wanted them to see, another mourner lamenting the waste of a good life. Sunny day in May. Yeah, I've always had trouble with funerals being on sunny days. I believe firmly in mourning and I expect nature to get on board with it. A funeral wasn't a funeral if the day wasn't gray with clouds so heavy that water leaked like tears. Any temperature that didn't chill through skin and muscle down to bone was an affront to the guest of honor. And stark silence needed to be center stage. The absence of natural sound, the absence of life, and then fill it with the guttural cry of a bagpipe. Now that's what I call a funeral. Yeah, that, that's not what I got. I got the Disney version. Oh, an expansive pure blue sky stretched from horizon to horizon with wisps of cotton ball clouds. A decorator's tasteful accent floated listlessly above. Hardwood trees stood sentry over the church. Cemeteries swang to the rhythm of the breeze. Robins played tag, racing tree to tree, gliding between the branches. Robins! 
I mean, what the fuck? There should be ravens or at least crows, big, black, noisy crows crying over my dead body. Well, not my body, but let's not split bananas. So why am I at my funeral? I'm not narcissistic. I'm here for a man. Where is the little turd? Faces floated above the sea of black created by the shoulders pressed against shoulders. Every one I knew. Names ticked off as I searched for the one who went by black. The bells on the church rang out. Lemmings marched up the steps, trading the warm sunshine for darkness, 10 degrees cooler. Voices faded, leaving only the sounds of shoes on tiled floor. I took a seat in the back on the far aisle. No sign of my man. The bells called out one final time. The pipe organ picked up and voices joined in. Enter my casket. A cherry box with ornate detailing on the edges and silver hardware. A nice choice. Pallbearing for me were six men from different sides of my life. Representing family was my sister's husband and my father. Regardless of what my mother said, her first husband was my father. I've never seen that expression on his face before. My life as an owner of a four-bedroom, three-bath suburban home was represented by the barbecuer in Chafavar subdivision who daytimed as a vice cop. He dealt with more shit than a fertilizer dealer. Nothing shocked him. But here he was, looking sad for me. Behind him was a social worker who was the carrot to my stick at the youth intervention facility where I worked the last few years. The man was a marshmallow who loved those kids more than some of their families did. Pre-suburbia, I put the boom in kaboom as a CIA agent specializing in chemical weapons, working with a man who answered to the name Enrique Torres. He held his head high as he walked with my casket. When a man covered your back for a fistful of years, he tended to want to see you through to the end, personally. Now the shortest and last role in my life was the most unexpected. In high school, I was voted least likely to marry. I created the category and spent $50 campaigning for the win. I looked at the Vegas odds on wife and I bet the under. How did I know I'd be outmaneuvered by a PhD with a crooked smile? Now, here was my husband's brother, a man I'd only met a handful of times, walking me down the aisle. The family resemblance was so strong, I forgot to breathe. Why? Why is this happening? Excuse the whale birthing in the front row. She's just my mother. Her tummy-tucked, three-day-a-week trainer, skinny-ass latte was wrapped in black silk so tight you could tell her religion. She would need a crowbar to remove the cockeyed black hat shellacked on her tease nest of blonde hair. Nothing about her was natural or real. Even her crying was faked. Her nose isn't red. Her makeup is still fresh and in place. The hypocritical bitch didn't have one nice thing to say to me once in my 31 years on this earth. Not one. But the minute I was dead, boom, she squealed like a cat underfoot. I can't believe she's gone. I can't believe my Annalisa is gone. Annalisa, my given name. This is the last time you're going to hear it. The only one you need to know is Diamond, a name as hard-earned as my reputation. 
Did you know the word diamond comes from the Greek word adamas, which means indestructible, unbreakable, unconquerable, and prone to blow things up? In the name of the Father, the Catholic funeral service, my mother's current religion of choice. She went through churches the way some women went through shoes, always looking for the better fit. I leaned back to inventory the other side of the church. There he was, my man, the guy with the answers and a sixth sense of humor. Picture a small frame man with absolutely nothing striking about him. A man you would walk past in a hall and swear under oath the hall had been empty. A man 10 out of 10 dentists wouldn't recognize as their patient. That was Ian Black. One row up, other side of the church. The dipshit looked like he was enjoying himself. The rear doors slammed against their stops. Instantly, a hundred pairs of eyes snapped to the man stalking up the aisle. Leather boots with soles thick enough to walk across hot coals echoed with every step. Black pants and shirt, undoubtedly some ridiculously priced cotton, silk, titanium blend, tucked in and covered with an ass-kicker or leather coat trailing behind him like a cape. His only color came from his dark mane of auburn hair. Sam Irish, I said. And if I read the clenched jaw correctly, he was pissed. I want to see her. The polish of London blistered under his seething mood, letting the Dublin alley surface through his festering wounds. Sir, you're disturbing a funeral service. Color blossomed from the priest's collar, tinting first his throat and then slowly flushing his cheeks. His voice squeaked when he spoke next. I must insist you leave. I must insist you open the goddamn lid. Enrique and the boys and girls from my boom-boom days moved their hands to their sidearms. Slow, calm, practiced. My father stepped into the aisle. Step back, step back, I whispered. I've seen Sam Irish in this mood, and you do not mess with him. My father must have seen it because he did step back, and I breathed a sigh of relief. Open the lid, Irish ordered in a voice that honed on cigarettes and whiskey. Well, the priest stood his ground. I will not. Ungood, very ungood. What the hell was Irish thinking? What was he even doing here? We went back, way back, pre-husband days. More than once, we ended up in the same place at the same time, and, well, let's just say we scratched each other's itches. Being dead created a feeling of impotence that I hadn't bargained for. There wasn't one damn thing I could do about the scene unfolding. I just had to stand here like every other dumbass rubbernecker, unable to look away from the walking disaster. How do you open this fucker? Irish felt around my coffin for the lid. Sir, stop immediately, and watch your language. This is a place of God. The priest lectured, but smartly did not interfere. There were more than muscles bulging under Irish's coat, and then the lid was open. A collective gasp rose. The church was small, and there were no bad seats. Everyone saw everything. It wasn't pretty. Why didn't I have myself cremated? Now, if this had just been about me, I mean, I would have. But Gabriel, my husband, well, he wanted to be buried, which I did for him. And nobody, apart from my mother, would have believed that I wanted to be cremated instead of laid to rest next to my husband. When you're faking your death, the last thing you want to do is to give people a reason to look below the surface. They expected me to be buried, so I was being buried. Irish leaned over her, 
I mean me, both hands on the lid, his head turned as his gaze swept up and down. You sure this is her? Shit. Of course it's her. Who are you? My sister pitched forward from her first row pew. Cass, Cassandra, was three years younger. She was as good as I was wrong. Her hair, the color of corn silk, was natural. We shared the green eyes. When we cry, our green goes mutant with red like hers were now, and I hated that she was paying the price for this mess. Irish gave her the same scrutiny he'd given my corpse. He let go of the lid. It slammed closed. A thunderous bang bounced to the ceiling and floor and back again. Irish didn't notice, his focus on my sister. You have her eyes. He raised a hand to cup Cass's cheek. Her husband gripped the forearm and stopped it several inches from his wife's face. Irish glared at my brother-in-law but quickly turned his attention back to Cass. What happened? Fire, her voice broke. She fell asleep with candles lit. One, one must have fallen over. I wanted an explosion. I mean, something truly epic, something diamond worthy. But do you know how hard that is to pull off? There would have been a fire investigation and a utility investigation and more questions and more tests and there was just too much risk. Instead, I had a little pity party on the anniversary of my husband's death. Maybe I had too much to drink and I fell asleep on the couch with a bottle in my arms and candles on the table next to me. Were there risks? Sure, but I mitigated them. By the time the neighbors called the fire department, my living room didn't exist anymore. And neither did I. Irish blinked once, twice, and then deafened the saints with a booming laugh. You're telling me that Diamond was taken out by a fucking candle? Shut up, Irish, shut up. He was out of his mind calling me by the name. A quarter of the people in the church had never heard of Diamond, and the half who did knew exactly what kind of man Irish was. I mean, if the leather-clad entrance and F-bombs hadn't given him away. Irish cut off his outrageous laugh and replaced it with a cold dominance. How stupid do you think I am? Enrique stepped into the aisle, angling his body for whatever came next. Three other agents did the same. You paid your respects. He spat out the word. Now it's time for you to move on. Something between a growl and a chuckle rumbled in Irish's chest. Diamond, come out, come out, come out wherever you are. He spun in a slow circle, empty hands flare wide. Ali, Ali, oxen free. He turned again. Marco, polo, you Irish hothead. My mother shuffled into the aisle, her dress too tired, heels too high. She's not here, you idiot. She's dead. Well, this ought to be good. Nobody called Irish an idiot. Well, almost nobody. Point is, I don't re recommend doing it unless you're armed with something stronger than Chanel Number no. 5. Irish looked like a pit bull and my mother was a juicy steak. He licked his lips. You're certain this is Diamond? My mother rolled her eyes, an expression I, I lived under my entire life. A mother knows her own daughter. I know her here. She struck her fist to her corseted breasts. Besides, who else would be wearing her wedding ring? You're in the wrong place. There's no diamond here. Bah! She dismissed Irish with a royal wave of her hand and returned to her place. Take a seat or get out. Move it along, father. Diamond? Diamond married? 
the shocked look on Irish's face that was worth showing up for. He was lucky I was dead or I'd have held it over him for the rest of his life. Then Irish was in motion. His long, smooth strides carried him halfway up the aisle and then he stagger-stepped. Something surprised Irish, a man who was surprised by nothing. He turned his head and surveyed the gathered, a predator selecting his entree. I couldn't avert my eyes. Everyone looked at Irish. If I was the only person looking at the casket or the priest or the rafters, well, I might as well have stood on the bench and screamed polo. He was then on the move again, the brief appearance of the brilliant sunlight the only indication that he had left the building. The priest continued, blah, blah, blah. My mother this time banged like a donkey. Hee-haw, hee-haw. Finally, the pipe organ began the final dirge and my coffin hung from strong hands. I kept to my place, leaving with my row and staying in the thick of the line. I kept one eye on black, the other eye on the lookout for Irish. Impossible? Not when you've had advanced training. Chatter in the ranks picked up as my parade filed behind the coffin and crossed the country road to the cemetery. Chatter. Do you see what you get with funerals on sunny days? Do you think there'd be chatter if it were 40 degrees? If buckets of water were pounding the crowd? If a flock of ink-black crows circled above? Hell no! Freaking Disney funeral. No signs of Irish, I closed on black. Quickening my pace, I matched his stride. He cut me a glance and then dismissed. Fat chicks were not his type. So, um, are you a friend of the family? Black cut me another narrow glance. Old friends. He walked faster. So did I. Old friends? Like college? When he didn't answer, I kept going. Older? Like high school? Was she the prom queen? She always seemed like the prom queen type. Prom queen, Ian said. Sister, you have no idea. Yeah, Ian, I do. He tripped over a crack in the sidewalk. Smooth as ever, I said, lengthening my stride, making him give chase. Diamond? His bland face reappeared at my side with amusement and a crooked grin. Love the corpse. It gave the event a certain generic sepa. A linguist, Black was not. Nice funeral. You planned it? I shot mental daggers at the little birds who played follow the leader overhead. No, I said. What do you have for me? Weeks before I killed myself, I contacted Ian Black for information. He was a broker, trading in facts, figures, names, and dates. I hadn't talked to him since my husband's funeral, but he pushed all in when I called. It began when a woman emailed me with a shaky video and a story. The hit-and-run accident that killed my husband wasn't an accident. She was there, a few feet away. When the policia dismissed her account, she sent the video to me. I played it straight, making the calls, tugging on old relationships. Reality was a cold slap in the face. The authorities did not want to hear from a grieving widow with a conspiracy theory. I didn't want Mrs. Mrs. Gabrielle Rubchinskaya to die. They killed her when they took the last scrap of her sanity and squashed it like a bug. Fortunately, I had Diamond. Using the information Black had, I was going Spanish Inquisition on anyone who spoke to, looked at, or thought of Gabrielle in those last days. Hell hath no fury, etc., etc., etc. 
Black's gaze raked over me like a TSA scan. His face contorted as if he's gotten a whiff of a month-old gym sock. You really let yourself go. You got your inf you got my information? You don't want to cross a dead woman, I said. I pulled up short and let him feel my point in his soft underbelly. So I went to my funeral arm. A woman needs to be prepared for all circumstances. First time I see you in a year and you insult me? He eased away from me, amusement wiped on his face. Yeah, I got it. Give, I said. Jesus, Diamond, it's not on me. You think I'm gonna walk into a funeral with it in my pocket? Keep walking. He paced next to me as we stayed with the crowd. I have it, but there's a catch. My hand was on his arm, ready to break it if the situation demanded. A catch? I need you to flesh out game for me. One hour, two at the most. Black reached into his pocket and retrieved a blue post-it. His gaze took my measurements again. If you're not up for it, I slapped him upside his medium brown hair. It's a padded suit, you pig. I couldn't have people recognize me. What were you thinking picking my funeral for the drop? He didn't answer, instead smoothing his hair back in place, his relief visible. Lose the fat chick suit, Diamond. I need a slut, a sophisticated slut. The crowd reassembled under the white tent, forming a loose circle around my coffin. Black stood with me, his hands folded and chin to his chest as the priest began to read again. The words droned on as in some other world. It reminded me of the old Peanuts cartoons and the way the adults sounded. Wah, 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 wah. I didn't want to stand here, listening to whitewashed words of a man who didn't get my life, who would never get my life. I wanted the file Black put together. I wanted to get out of here and do what I hadn't been able to do for a year, learned what really happened to my husband. The blue square in my hand held an address. No name, no phone number. When, I asked quietly, when everyone else said amen. Black draped an arm around me. Anyone looking would only see a man comforting a woman. This afternoon works. I'll need an hour to change, I said. Black's gaze pierced my cheap sunglasses. Take two. A member from the funeral home wandered through the thin crowd handing out white roses. Real roses, not wannabe carnations. I mean, somebody gave a damn and a few bucks. Let's get out of here. I took a step toward the open air outside the tent. Black held me in place. Keep it together, Diamond. We leave now and all eyes are on us. Guilt mated with determination and their love child was anger. I directed it at Black. We don't leave now when you're the next body in the ground. He shook his head, woefully under-intimidated. A few more minutes. I didn't move because the pain in the ass was right. Unless I wanted to feign being inconsolable. Oh wait, my mother was already doing that. I was stuck till the end. My mother revved up and went into a rendition of a cat in heat on a hot summer's night. I planted an elbow in Black's ribs as the priest opened his arms wide, embracing the crowd. Why the hell did you pick my funeral for the drop? Again, he didn't answer, but stood stoically at my gravesite, his head bowed. The priest spoke in the space grief created. At this time, I invite each of you to come forward and offer your parting words. The parade started anew. Focus, catalog names and faces. Who else thought enough of me to give up a day of golf? 
mother, blah, 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 more fake tears. Cass, entwined in her husband's arms. This can't be real, she said. My father, give him hell, baby. Enrique Torres, it's hard to believe you're really gone, Diamond. I always thought you'd go out in a blaze of glory. Not this way. He choked up, swallowed it. Then a smug twist graced his mouth. Figured you'd take at least a dozen bastards with you. He tossed the rose onto my casket. My section chief, before I retired, the man taught me everything I knew about playing by the rules until those rules got in your way. He threw the rose in. You were one hell of a woman, Diamond. A high compliment. A few more CIA co-workers who didn't let a little thing like a few years keep them away. Good people, no matter what their resume said. Neighbors from the cul-de-sac where I played suburban grown-up. Good barbecue, good times, more good people. A group of teens and early 20-somethings moved with a herd mentality. My kids and their chaperones, my co-workers. After I retired from field work, I took a really dangerous assignment, monitoring the troubled, dangerous, razor-sharp youth of DC. Every one of those kids should have been tempted by the dangerous neighborhoods and the hard lives they've been born into. Instead, they paraded silently by my hole in the ground, faces tainted by grief. The caboose of the line, a skinny punk in a sagging denim and a black t-shirt, he glanced my way. His gaze caught mine, and his eyes widened. I feigned disinterest when I wanted to slap his hairless face. The girl in front of him said something, distracting him, and I stepped behind Black, impossible to see the kid. Black stepped forward, and I was up close and personal with my husband's headstone. I had seen it every day from when it was installed until two weeks ago. Subtly, I blew him a kiss. Allow me to do the introductions. Gabrielle, meet the world. World, this is the love of my life. Gabrielle Andre Rupchinsky, born April 28, 1979, died May 14, 2018. One year to the day from the date that will be carved on my side of our headstone. I placed my hand on the casket, palm flat, fingers wide. Who's inside? Don't judge. It wasn't like I picked some innocent, productive member of society. She's past her problems, lying on a bed of silk next to my husband, wearing my wedding ring. My wedding ring. It's been days, but my fingers still wore the imprint of the ring. I was never naked until I took it off. A hand settled gently between my shoulder blades. It's always hard to say goodbye, take comfort. She's gone to a better place. The priest, doing his job and keeping the show moving along, guided me to standing. I cursed myself using words unbecoming for a priest. A smart woman didn't lean over, lean over her own coffin, jealous of the body within. A strong woman wasn't caught off guard by a man of the cloth she didn't know and words of comfort she didn't want. A sane woman didn't rebuke kindly blue eyes or turn consolation into accusation. A better place, I asked. Where she's going, the devil don't care to look. I tossed the rose sidearm. It hit one of those stupid happy birds who chose that moment to fly through the tent. The rose and the bird fell. A satisfying thud punctuated the ending. The priest's gaze followed me. Consolation missing from the gaping mouth. 
replaced by confusion and a healthy dose of apprehension. I lifted my chin as I turned away from him, feeling power coursing through my body as I embraced my true self. I strutted away, transforming with each step into a sophisticated slut. Striding from the cemetery as fast as my chub rub thighs allowed, I headed to the powder blue Prius I had borrowed from the parking lot next to my building. I broke into a giddy-up run to get ahead of the pack. Starting the Prius was a matter of touching the right wires together and she was humming like the day she was born. I threw her into reverse and pulled out behind a dark crossover. Faster than you can say, oh shit, said crossover fishtailed, drove over the high curb and came to a cockeyed rest across the only exit. The driver staggered out. He leaned heavily on the car, considering the doors and the tires as though he couldn't remember what they were used for. Ah, hell. I knew what was coming next. So that was the first chapter of Widow's Run by me, T.G. Wolf. That was released, I think it was released back in... You know, I don't actually remember if it was 2018 or 2019. Pretty sure it was 2019, because oh. it was not my freshman year of high school. And it did say a year after her husband died, so... Exactly. So, um, because I can't actually give you a review, so Widow's Run is listed as a mystery. Diamond, one name for a woman with one purpose in life. It should have been an ordinary business trip, her husband attending a scientific conference, except he didn't come home. A random accident? Or was it? Of course it wasn't. If it was, there wouldn't be a story. A video service is calling facts into question, but the police have only words for, of sympathy for the new widow. Resurrecting her CIA cover, Diamond goes where the police won't. From Washington, D.C. to Rome, Italy to Tulsa, Oklahoma, her widow's run follows the stink greed leaves in its wake. Murderous, filthy business. Good thing Diamond likes to play dirty. Bottom line, widow's run is for you if you like fast-paced mysteries, dynamic characters, and a story that's meant to be read just for the fun of it. So, because I'm not going to do a review of my own book, I thought that I would pull strengths and weaknesses of the story from reviews. So here are two reviews from Amazon. Uh, one said that Widow's Run is a suspenseful thriller with well-crafted characters and a plot that leaves you guessing until the very end. Another said that Widow's Run is a non-stop rollercoaster ride of chaos and suspense with the lead character who's not afraid to speak her mind and has the resources to back up her words. Determined to find the true reason behind her husband's death, Diamond will stop at nothing to get the answers, including faking her own depth, death and then showing up in disguise at her funeral, which you guys just heard. Both her tongue and mind are sharp as a whip, making this a super fun read. Um, so I think those are pretty accurate. The story is about the pacing and the characters. It's a solid mystery, but honestly, the mystery is pretty simple because when you have complex pacing and a lot of characters ditching in and out, you can't have a complex mystery or it all just kind of falls apart. Um, it was inspired by Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series. In that book, each chapter is a standalone, so it has 
each story is like a mini story and that it propels the overall story forward and I really like that storytelling style and I wanted to see if I can do that and so that's what gives the story the fast pace so as you just heard in this first chapter you have this whole story about Diamond you know meeting up with her contact at her funeral and yet at the same time it moves us into the next into the next chapter it made it a blast to write and it's what makes the pacing just very fast so where did it fall short of ideal for that we look to Miriam on Goodreads who gave it a 3.5 for zest and enthusiasm so thanks for the bump there Miriam now she felt it was quote a convoluted spy mystery thriller that begins in a slapstick humor manner and while calming down some is still frenetic as Diamond travels to Rome and then backs back to the States. She's got a lot of help and some more, some more useful than others. There are a few grammatical errors and a doozy of a continuity issue at the very end as dead people are incorrectly identified. If you do pick up the slim mystery, don't put it down or you'll lose track of all the disparate threats. Okay, so on the grammatical errors, so those just drive me crazy, no less than four uh, publishing professionals looked at this and yet they're still sneak through so if you find one enjoy them treat them like a four-leaf clover maybe at some point all books will be written through artificial intelligence and they'll be perfect but until then if you find one just be like hey actual human beings wrote this <laughs> and enjoy them as to the continuity issue well of course I had to look into that one because continuity is just one of my huge things and um, no, I read the last chapter twice and all the names were correct. So as Miriam implied, there are a bunch of characters. Not all of them died. Some of them were only maimed. Um, I suspect that she read something in a way that I didn't intend it um, because the way I read it, the continuity stood. So it'd be very interesting to have a conversation curious to see what she read because if she indeed read a continuity error in there sure I'd love to fix it the way I read it no it was good so if any of you uh, do find it send me an email um, I'll send you a free copy of one of my one of my future books we can talk about what really happened there at the end so take four to six hours out of your future to read Widow's Run the first diamond adventure review it help me get up to like you know 20 reviews on amazon or or goodreads that'd be awesome it would mean so much and then you'll be ready to pick up suicide squeeze so in two weeks on the next toe tag you're going to hear the first chapter of that so with that thanks for joining us uh, look forward to next week when we are back with our regular episode of mysteries to die for